Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Before we jump into today's show, what we're going to do is we're going to go to a quick disclaimer, then we're going to come back, and then we're going to unpack and unpack and unpack some more. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Okay, welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is, as I said before, Boston's community radio station. So I'm happy to be here today. Uh, But the things that I have to talk about aren't really uh, upbeat and bright topics. Uh, It's it's more of the same from my party, the Massachusetts Republican Party. And I have to say that, you know, we didn't get to where we are overnight, and it's not all on Jim Lyons. It really, really isn't. Uh, anyone who wants to blame Jim Lyons exclusively for the current state of the Massachusetts Republican Party either is very ill-informed or is unwilling to look in the mirror. For years now, we have contented ourselves with just securing the corner office. So as long as we had the governor and the lieutenant governor, our roles, uh, we held those offices, we were fine. Or people were content, I should say. Operatives were content. And these people thought to themselves and, and, you know, expressed, I would would say uh, publicly, uh, that the health of the party was good. Because, right, we're, you know, the governor's Republican, uh, he's one of us, and the lieutenant governor is too, so we're in good shape. That's not true. That wasn't true, and that, and, and that kind of thinking isn't true. All these years that went by, and, and this isn't, I, I wouldn't say that this is a criticism of Charlie Baker. There are other things that I can say about Charlie Baker uh, that very well would be considered criticisms. But the focus, the inordinate focus on capturing the corner office, that's not Charlie's fault. But once he took office... He did nothing to build the party. And so the consequence was that 
when he decided not to run for a third term, and Jim Lyons had a lot to do with that, I do not care what anyone says. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that there weren't other factors. There very well could have been. But Jim Lyons uh, was was certainly a factor. So when Charlie decided not to run for uh, for a third term as governor, and, and of course he, he could have, because we don't have term limits here for that particular constitutional office, uh, he didn't have anything left. So basically his power was all wrapped up in holding that office. But it didn't translate into anything else. So all these years, Charlie Baker being the governor, there was a lot of focus on keeping him in that position, making sure that that office was safe for him. And I understand wanting to, if you have a Republican, whether it's Charlie Baker or anyone else, I could understand uh, party operatives wanting to shore up the support and and the strength, uh, the support for, uh, you know, whatever Republican is, is holding that office and ensure up uh, the strength, if you will, of his position, uh, of his hold on the seat to make sure that he's entrenched. I get that. What I don't get is what transpired. What transpired was so much energy was put in to making sure that Charlie's seat was safe. Of course, not that it's his seat, but I say that insofar as he was, you know, in that seat. So, so much was done to protect him in that role that there wasn't much bandwidth for anything else. And so as I started to say, Charlie, when he tried to endorse other candidates, it, it, it really, it didn't amount to much. So there was a candidate in, in uh, Rhode Island for Congress, Alan Fung. I, I don't, I'm not quite sure why Charlie saw the need to endorse uh, a candidate from another state when our party <laughs> needed all the help it could get, but okay. Uh, but, you know, nothing, <laughs> it, it it didn't translate, I, I don't want to say nothing happened, but it, it didn't translate into a victory for Fung. So, I mean, you might as well say nothing happened. And certainly, uh you know, he he came out in, in strong support of Anthony Amore for the uh, for the for the office of state auditor, and that didn't do anything to even bring Anthony Amore within striking distance of Diana DeZoglio. So I, 
I feel like those eight years were very much wasted. I feel like there was a wealth of opportunity. And so that people can understand me well. And, and you know, I, I, <laughs> what's going to happen is people are going to hear what I'm saying and they're going to take away from it what they will. That's what people do these days. They hear what you never said or even implied and they respond to along the same lines to what you you didn't say. Uh, so rather than entertain, contemplate, consider, even for a millisecond, uh, what you're trying to express, uh, people immediately recoil when they hear something that uh, disturbs them in their cocoon, <laughs> that, that threatens to, to break their cocoon apart. The Republican Party in this state in the state of Massachusetts, cannot content itself with only the governor's office and the lieutenant governor's office. And for the people who are listening and who are saying, well, of course we know that, please be quiet. Because if you knew that and believed it, you would have acted a lot differently. And this, of course, is directed at the operatives. We need a party that is everywhere. And I can no longer accept the excuse, well, we're just, we're so far in the hole. You just, you don't understand. We're just, we're, so, we're at ground zero. We're not even at ground zero. I heard that when Jim Lyons took over. And I heard that when Amy Carnavale took over. Now, to be fair to Amy Carnavale, because I do think she deserves uh, a bit of the benefit of the doubt, uh, things are particularly dire for the Massachusetts Republican Party right now. But my point in, 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 in saying what I just said is that there always seems to be an excuse why people can't come into Boston. And I'm no longer prepared to accept that. So how long are people in Boston supposed to wait before we have people to vote for? How long? Oh, well, now is not the right time. Well, when will be the right time? Two years? Four years? Six years? If you don't run people, then how are we ever going to get into the game? Now, trust me, I fully understand that no one wants to be a sacrificial lamb. But we can't keep on letting seats go uncontested. There are two special elections right now uh, in the city of Boston one of the special uh, elections, uh, it touches upon um, the town of Brookline. So outside of Boston, of course, uh, a part of Brookline. But the, pretty much most of, of this, um, this area is, is it's, it's pretty much, you know, largely primarily in Boston. 
and in the other special election um, race. And they're both uh, for positions in uh, the House of Representatives. Okay, so they're two state. These are two state rep positions. Um, one of them, uh, longtime state rep Joe. Um, I'm sorry, Ed Coppinger. It's a long day. Sorry, guys. Uh, he's he's a very nice guy. So <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, if this if he ever hears this, uh, uh, it's been a very long day, and it's it's not even halfway over. Um, uh, he's a longtime state rep. I think he did a fine job. I think he did uh, a very good job in responding to the needs of the constituency. It's, you know, West Roxbury, Rosendale, Jamaica Plain. And again, it's it's a part of Brookline. Oh, forgive me if I'm leaving any part of uh, this particular area out, but that's that's roughly what it is. Uh, and he, you know, he he was there for everybody. And he was responsive and he was knowledgeable. He was accessible. So it's 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 a shame that he stepped down. Um you know, but he's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's looking forward to the next chapter uh, in his life, and I'm sure he'll do very well. Um, and that's that. Uh, the other uh, state rep race, it's um, the South End, and it's Roxbury, uh, primarily. Uh, and again, please forgive me if I don't have uh, the the area you know, I don't want to leave any part out, but that's that's pretty pretty much what it is, or primarily what it is. Uh, I'll check on both areas because uh, I'm a stickler for detail, uh, so I'll, I'll just I'll confirm. Um, so you know, also uh, for people who are listening, if you happen to be in one of the areas, uh, you can um, you know check out the different candidates uh, in these two races and uh, hopefully uh, perform your civic duty. Um, but the other uh, state rep is John Santiago. Uh, I really like John, too. Uh, he, of course, uh, ran for mayor, and he was probably, honestly, um, the best qualified or just about the best qualified candidate. I mean, I think, you know, John uh, John Barrows uh, was another candidate, and I think he had something interesting to offer, too. Um, but I, I really think that uh, John Santiago was— uh, Actually, I'm going to say it. I, I think he was the best candidate uh, in the race. He's very intelligent. He's very accomplished. And he just had a very broad perspective. And uh, he he brought with him very much uh, uh, a panoramic, if you will, perspective. So he just he looked at everything very broadly and widely. And, and I'm going to say holistically. So it was a great loss when he suspended his mayoral campaign. Um, but he, you know, again, he's also on to the next chapter in his career, so I wish him well. Um, now, I have uh, seen a name, at least one name in one of the races, uh, a very, very good candidate. But my point, you know, speaking to the Massachusetts Republican Party being competitive, it would be nice if there were some Republican candidates. And it's just, I mean, it's, 
it's it's very frustrating. It's it's very 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 frustrating because we're just we're expected to be Republican without being given a reason to be Republican. I spoke with a lovely girl. She's she's always 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 been just so the the word really the apt word really is lovely. And uh, we went to high school together and you know we spoke we crossed paths not too long ago. And she said to me, you know, when I first registered to vote, I was a Republican. And I actually think she, you know, she pretty much in her heart still is. In fact, I'm pretty sure of it. But she told me that she finished by changing party affiliation. So she's been a Democrat for a great number of years because she wanted to be able to vote for someone. So imagine, when I go to the polls where my former high school classmate, my friend, when she goes to the polls, you know, when she was Republican, she was looking at then, what I'm looking at now, literally a blank ballot on occasion. We, it's not a matter of we don't have many choices, many good choices. We don't have any choices. Any. And that really, again, I just find it so unbelievably offensive because, again, it's expected somehow, some way, that we remain Republican by some in the party, but you're not giving us a reason to. So if we do remain in the party, it's because we believe so strongly and profoundly in the core beliefs of limited government, personal freedom, and liberty. And so not to be able to have any representation that speaks very directly to that is offensive to me. It angers me even. So again, I get back to my point, how, how long are we supposed to wait? As many of you know, I, I stood up to run in 2020, and that was very much outside my comfort zone. And I've said it before, and I've said it a few times before, and I'll say it again. It was very, very, very much outside my comfort zone because I do not like the limelight. I am a very private person, but I felt compelled to stand up. Now, if Mike Capuano had won... When Ayanna launched uh, her bid for the 7th Congressional District seat in Massachusetts, had she lost her bid, I would not have run. 
See, the problem, and, and this is, I mean, it's not entirely, I guess, unrelated, because I could draw this point into what I've been saying, but I, I am right now for the moment going to treat it as uh, uh, as kind of um, a digression. All right, so we're, we're going to make a little digression here. And, and that is... Um, a lot of people stand up to run for offices that, unless they are completely delusional, they have to know that they're in no way qualified to hold. You know, a lot of people run. Uh, this has become really the case in Boston. A lot of people run for an office um, with the idea, with the intent of... Um, attracting the eye of the right people, and then maybe they can parlay that into a high-paying gig and maybe some other goodies. Then you have other people, they run for positions, and they don't necessarily want those positions, um, but they believe, and they're not wrong, that it will better position themselves to run for the position that they really want. And I think that that's gross. The constituents, the constituencies, they're the losers. Really. Because you have people who are going out, they're seeking out, rather, elected officials for assistance. They have questions that need to be answered. They have causes that they would like the elected official to at least shine a light on or at least learn more about. And these elected officials who ran for no other reason than to enrich themselves in a variety of ways or to better position themselves for a bigger, bigger carrot— they don't care. And it's, 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 for me, it's just, it's, it's probably, it's one of the worst things to witness. Because holding public office, regardless of the public office, it is such a tremendous honor. And for people to hold public office and not be cognizant of that fact that it is a great honor, my goodness gracious. But, you know, this is where we're at in Massachusetts, uh, certainly in Boston, but in other parts of, of Massachusetts as well. So I don't want, while I, while I obviously and very clearly very much want Republicans to run. I, I want decent people to run. And I suppose that <laughs> whittles down, that narrows down the pool that much more. Uh, and it's already uh, quite a teeny tiny little pool. Um, but I, I, I do want decent people and I do want them to have ours after their names. Now, does this mean that uh, I think Democrats categorically are doing a terrible job. Of course not. Of course not. 
There are Democrats. Uh, there are city councilors, uh, town selectmen. There are state representatives, state senators, and they're congresspeople. And I really like them. I think they're doing a great job. Uh, I think that you have some people who are really smart, really, 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 really smart. And they have a D after their names. But as someone who believes in the core values of the Republican Party, I want to see Republicans running in my hometown and in the surrounding areas. And, you know, it it really does, it, it kills me because, you know, I start to say that, you know, I, of course, ran in 2020 for Congress. And I'm going to tell people, had I not stood up to run, and again, I, I I only ran because my Capuano did not win. He did not get reelected. And so that leads me back to another point that I had started to make. I'm not going to run just to run. I would never do that. I'm only, I would only run for a public office, any office, if I thought that I could do a better job than the person that's holding it. And if the seat happened to be open, then my argument would have to be, well, I think that I have something, I have a particular skill set or skill sets that would allow me to address problems very effectively in this geographical space. That's what drives me. But it's really, it's really fairly amazing because I stood up to run, and, and then there were like three or four other people who stood up right alongside me. And I, I just, I had to laugh. You know, and of course, one of them, Rayla Campbell, was recruited to run against me. Not to run for the seat, but to run against me. And I just... You know, it's 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 the politics within politics. So it's not bad enough that we are under ten percent. So there are less than ten percent, uh, less than ten percent of the population in Massachusetts is registered as a Republican. In Suffolk County, a lot of which is Boston, but it's not just Boston, of course. Uh, it's also uh, Chelsea. It's also Winthrop. It's also uh, Revere. Uh, all great municipalities, uh, too. Um, but Boston is, you know, a lot of Suffolk County. Um, it's uh, it's 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 amazing because, you know, when I stood up to run, you ha- you had all these other people. That stood up to run, and and it's it it, it 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 beggars belief because you say to yourself, okay, so not only are your numbers really low, but you have people who are dedicated to keeping those numbers low. Okay, so before we even get a chance to square off, if you, that is depending on where you are in the state and who you are. Before you even get a chance to square off against a Democrat, you have to contend with people in your own party. And it's just, 
and it just it speaks to the mentality that it's not only just well we have to have the corner office and and you know we you know uh, governor lieutenant governor you know we we got we got to we got to have that so we can appear to be a viable party it's not only that current of thought that troubles me it's also this idea that people are more interested in being big fish in little ponds so again Statewide, less than 10% of the population is registered Republican. And Suffolk County, the reason I brought up Suffolk County, of course, is because the numbers are even lower. I think it's like 5 or 6, between 5 and 6%, somewhere along there, uh, you know, around there. And it, it's just, it's incredible. So if any of you who are listening are thinking, well, oh my gosh, with those numbers— and they recruited someone to run against you? Yeah, well, exactly, because heaven forbid a Republican stand up and do something that's not being done and actually attract positive attention. You know, it's 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 very it's it's very much like a club. And you know, unfortunately, we have this also, what is this current of thought that says that people just, again, they want to they wanna argue, they want to bicker, they want to philosophize about the best direction of the party. Well, does it really matter if you're not recruiting people, if you're sabotaging fellow Republicans? If you can't show up for events, if you can't speak truth to the power, I mean, I, I don't understand. Like, does it really matter who's conservative or who's liberal? I happen to be conservative. But does it, would it really matter what I am, where I am, where I fall in the political, uh, in the, in the political spectrum within the Republican Party? Because, you know, we have the bigger political spectrum. But then, of course, there's a spectrum within the two major political parties. Does it really matter where I fall if I'm not doing anything? If I'm not trying to recruit candidates? If I'm not showing up and speaking out? Who cares? You know, but here we are, and we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to get caught up, you know, all of us who just want a two-party system, a viable two-party system. We're, 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 no, uh-uh, we're supposed to get caught up in this ongoing feud, in this ongoing, it's, 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 it's really, it's, it's a phony debate. It's a phony, it's, it's, it's. I can't stress to what point that this debate, you know, which direction we should go in, are we better off going more, you know, going a more conservative route or a more moderate route? I can't tell you to what point 
this debate just simply doesn't matter because these people are not going out into the neighborhoods, into the different municipalities. They're not showing up. They're not being counted. They talk about the same things. They run with the same people. They don't entertain other ideas except the ones that are put before them or that they're supposed to embrace because they're Republican and they're conservative or they're Republican and they're moderate. I mean, again, it's just who cares? Does it really matter? If if a Republican is a conservative or a moderate, if we only have five to six percent of the population in Suffolk County, where I am, does it you know you know registered as Republican? Does it matter? Why should I listen to somebody who wants to? argue about the direction the party should go in if that part person hasn't shown up for events, if that person hasn't knocked doors, if that person hasn't phone banked, if that person hasn't held signs, if that person hasn't reached in his pocket or, again, donated time in some way, shape, or form. I'm over it because it's a, it's a debate. It's a crutch. It is, it is a putative, can I say that? Um, it's, it's, it's a, I'll just say it's a crutch. It's, it's, it's an excuse not to do anything. And for someone like myself, who literally doesn't have choices, I only have someone to vote for in the primaries, when there is a nonpartisan race, so either the Boston City Council or the Boston mayoral race, right? Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm either voting for mayor and, you know, Boston City Councilors or, you know, just the city councilors. Um, or if there is... Or if, if, if it's, you know, every four years uh, for the constitutional races. It's also every four years for the mayoral race, too, here in Boston. But if we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, September, where there are no municipal elections and it's not, uh, you know, it's not an uh, election cycle for the constitutional offices. I literally have no one to vote for. Again, not because there's no there are no good choices, but because there's no one on the ballot. <laughs> because there are no candidates that were run. I'm tired of these people who who go back and forth in this useless debate because it's selfishness. It's selfishness. Because they suck all the oxygen out of the room. They really do. And they expect everyone else to take sides in this petty, stinking, stupid fight. And I'm over it. I'm over it. 
Let's go to a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. Then I'm going to slide into talking about Boston and Boston politics in particular. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. Are you a veteran or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. You hear that? This is my Boston accent. This is my Boston accent. Yeah, it is. This is our Boston accent. Hear it for yourself, discover your own. This is Boston, and we are all inclusive. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So before we went on break, I was talking about the state of the mass GOP. And of course, it's pretty dismal. So I want to wrap this up and I want to move into talking about Boston and the political scene in the capital. Um, But I have a few more things to say about what's going on right now with the Massachusetts Republican Party. We... I mean, we just here in Boston and the surrounding areas, we had so little. We didn't even have representation in some parts of of the city, in the city of Boston. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible to me. It's absolutely incredible to me that, okay, for the state committee members who want to support Jim Lyons or who did support Jim Lyons, who are supporting Jim Lyons, okay, support him. But how blindly are you going to do it? And so for people who may be a little less familiar, um, both major political parties 
have a state committee. And the state committee, they're responsible for, I mean, it really is their job to recruit candidates and support them. And they really, they do a lot to determine the direction of the party and the health of the party. And for every state Senate district, you have a state committee man and a state committee woman for both the Republicans and the Democrats. And the Republican Party, we didn't even have a full committee. It's supposed to be 80 people. And I just, that really, that, again, the only word I can come up with is anger. That greatly angered me. For two years, South Boston, a part of Dorchester, a little bit of Mattapan and and a smaller part of High Park, (laughs) <laughs> they didn't have any representation. That's unacceptable. And why do they have no representation? Because Jim Lyons didn't want to run the risk of having people get caucused in who were against him, because that's the other key thing to know. State committee members vote for the chair. I can't vote for the chair because I'm not on the state committee. So with the most recent election, I couldn't vote for Amy or anybody else because I wasn't on the committee. So it's more important for Jim Lyons to hold up, hang on to power than to ensure that all Republicans throughout the Commonwealth had representation. I'm sorry. I, I don't care if you support Jim Lyons. I would think and I would hope that at least privately, that was a source of contention for you, that that was an issue for you. It doesn't get more selfish than that. And so, as some people know, we're have, uh, there have been uh, three caucuses now. And... The goal, of course, is to get them filled. And so far, the seats have been filled. But in the very first caucus, um, it was in Boston, in that area that I I referred to. So it's the First Suffolk District, uh, First Suffolk Senate District. So it's, again, it's Southie, South Boston, Dorchester, certain parts of Dorchester, uh, a little, some of Mattapan, a little of Mattapan, and even a, and, and then Hyde Park, a smaller part, of, an even smaller part of Hyde Park. And I'm going to tell you 
that the two people who got seated are people who are not going to just align themselves with Jim Lyons. And so you had some people there that were loyal, that are loyal to Jim Lyons. And one of these people is Todd Taylor. And so Todd Taylor was citing a whole bunch of irregularities that he claimed took place. Or he said took place. I'll I'll use a less charged word. He said took place. Okay. And then he went on to say, because of these irregularities, that he's calling upon members of the state committee to reject the results of the first caucus that was held. So Todd Taylor's not only on the state committee, but he's what's called a a regional chair. So on the state committee, you have people who are responsible for bigger geographical spaces than just their Senate state state Senate district. So, just so everyone can understand, Todd Taylor, and he has he hasn't been willing to do anything, anything throughout the city of Boston or Chelsea, where he actually holds public office. He's on the city council. At no point has he tried to recruit a member of the public to run for state committee or a public office. He hasn't recruited any candidates, period. But because there are two candidates that are not going to rush to align themselves with Lyons, that's an issue. If he didn't like those two candidates, all he had to do was recruit people of his own. He couldn't do that, though, could he? So lazy that he couldn't do it. And it is laziness because it's your job. It's your job. It's not a status thing. If you're on the state committee, your job is to contribute to the health of the party. So he's going to now make a call. He's going to call upon his fellow members of the state committee to reject the results of the first first caucus. That disgusts me. So this man would rather these people be without representation for yet more time, because they've already been without representation. They, they had been without representation for two years. Two years. Todd couldn't act for two years. Okay? Two years. He could have worked with people, especially as a regional chair. You have additional responsibility. He could have worked with people. He could have gone into the neighborhoods, the city, the municipality, the neighborhoods. He could have found people. He didn't want to. I mean, it's just 
I'm I'm just I'm astounded. So you have people who are going to fight about nothing. And 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 and, and you know, oh, should we be? Oh, we need to be more conserved. We need to be more modern. And believe me, that is nothing. Okay, that is nothing. And if anyone takes anything away from this segment of the show, this part of the show, it's nothing because our party isn't being grown. Because I go to events and I'm the only Republican systematically in the room. Because I challenge some elected officials. And I turn around and I've got no one behind me. And that's, that's what it is. So you're either going to go it alone, and especially in, these, in this part of the state, or you just, you just be quiet and just go about your business. However difficult that may be. And, and let me tell you, being in a particularly blue part of the state, it's a little hard to just go about your business like nothing, like nothing, like nothing's happening. But to get back to Todd Taylor, he can't recruit anybody. He can't work with anybody to recruit somebody. But because he doesn't like the candidates, because they're not aligned with his faction of the party, he would have the people of this Senate district go without representation for a longer period of time. How unbelievably disgusting and selfish. Really. We need to be competitive we don't all have to like each other, but the fact that people are going about sabotaging one another, I mean, I, I certainly was sabotaged. I mean, voter lists were withheld from me. People were told not to vote for me. People at different points stopped taking my calls. I said, oh, okay. Because I bucked the party. And at the time, before there was a full-blown civil war, because there is one right now in the Massachusetts Republican Party, because I didn't align with the other side, I was just trying to be an independent person, trying to think independently. Well, I was, I was very much on my own. And so the fact that I bucked Jim Lyons, well, he, <laughs> he, he went after me, and the idea was to crush me, and the idea was to make sure I didn't go anywhere. And so that was more important than people in this part of the state having a viable candidate, a good candidate, a hardworking candidate. And it's, it's just sad. And that's what it is. And so what we need to overcome 
here in Massachusetts with the Republican Party, we need to overcome what, quite frankly, are toxic currents of thought. I'll use that phrase again. And again, it, it can't be just everything can't be focused on the corner office. It just can't be. But we also have to overcome this big fish and little pawn syndrome where people that, I mean, that's, they want a name. They want, they want to, they want to walk into a room and be known. You know what? I don't have time for that. I really don't because I'm thinking about my quality of life. I'm thinking about my neighbor's quality of life. I don't have time for a selfish son of a gun. I really don't. Or many selfish son of a guns. And we also need more people because, you know, politics, it's not just at the end of the day, Republican Party, Democratic Party. It's its just politics in general. I mean, you can certainly have Democrats that I'm sure have gone through uh, a challenging, I've had challenging experiences uh, running for office if they're not the preferred candidate. But I think that we need to restore a little bit of integrity, and I don't think that's too little house on the prairie. I think we need to have a little bit of integrity. And so when people are doing things that really kind of scream sabotage, like withholding voter lists, like not, you know, giving any attention to, um, you know, the other candidates or the other candidate in a race, people need to speak up. They really, really do. It's so important. So on that note, sorry guys, my allergies, it's its already kicking up. I so apologize. I should probably buy stock and cough drops, you know, some some company or something, because I'd become rich overnight. Just, uh, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have stock and a company, but at the same time, I'm buying the product. So, you know, it's putting money in, and it's just like this circular flow. Um, <clears throat> so forgive me. Allergies. Oh, they're terrible. But on that note, um, or should I say, having kind of laid out those takeaways. I want to kind of slip into a little bit of talk about Boston. And unfortunately, (laughs) I guess uh, I got a little bit carried away because I just so passionate about growing the Republican Party. Um, So we didn't really get a chance to talk about Boston. Um, Well, yes and no, because... I mean, I certainly talked about it from the perspective of living in Boston and not having choice. So, um, you know, Boston certainly did get discussed. It wasn't um, absent from uh, today's show, but I would have liked to have talked about, uh, shall we say, Boston politics uh, just in general and not necessarily so uh, party specific. So that'll just have to be for another time. Um, but what we'll do is, uh, we'll 
We'll find a time and we'll start off with that and we'll just, we'll talk about that at length. But as, as always, if you have uh, a comment or a suggestion or an idea, or if you just think I'm talking nonsense, uh, <laughs> I'm all over uh, social media. Um, but as always, it's so much fun hanging out with you. And I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.